our Latter-day Saint Voices, a podcast dedicated to conversations with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints right here in North Texas. So saddle up, y'all, and enjoy the ride. My name is Janie Nielsen, and tonight we have with us North Texas composer and retired University of North Texas professor, Newell K. Brown, known by his friends and family as Kay. Kay has composed some of the most well-known and well-loved music of the LDS Church. If his name doesn't ring a bell, his song sure will. First and foremost is, I hope they call me on a mission. 2019 marks the 50th anniversary of the publication of this beloved song. Let's take a listen. I hope they call me on a mission That sure brings back memories. Thank you for being with us tonight, Kay. Can you take our listeners back to 1969 and tell us about the inspiration for I Hope They Call Me on a Mission and how it all came about? Well, at that time, I was teaching in in Arkansas, a little place called Arkadelphia, Arkansas. And um, I, I got a letter. I uh, noticed it was from the church music committee. I opened it and they were asking um, a favor of me. Evidently, they had they were about to start a, a collection of songs for a new primary uh, publication. And sure, certainly they needed a new <laughs> a new publication. If you've ever seen the old version of the primary songs for the children at that time. At any rate, I was included as one of the church composers at that time. And evidently, they sent out feelers to um, a number of the a number of us, asking us to contribute into different areas of the of the gospel. Uh, they asked me to contribute something in the line of of the missionaries. Others were assigned to baptism or confirmation or such and such. So, I welcomed the invitation. Sat down to my desk and. Uh, just jotted down some lines. They sounded pretty good. And so I took those lines and went over to the piano. And uh, for, for some reason, the, the rhythm came out like it did. And so I, I took it home and uh, played it for my wife. She thought it sounded all right. So I sent it in. And um, that was it. Well, that certainly was it. It was the beginning of, of a wonderful musical experience for generations of children. Um, the songs of childhood are deeply embedded in people's memories and minds of most folks. And um, did the way this song was embraced and, and has endured surprise you? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, was, I was surprised at the, um, the variety of people that were interested in the, in the music. Uh, I mean, I have everything from, from movies to um, the comedians at the Y. <laughs> So it's, it's caught on. People like it, and uh, I can't do a thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do like it. There's um, so many languages that have it's been translated into, and um, genres, you know, rap music yes, even. That's right. It's, 
It's pretty amazing when you start Googling Neil K. Brown. Well, I had a, I had a niece that went to um, uh, on a mission to Japan. She and her companion um, recorded it. My oldest son went to uh, North Korea or to Korea, South Korea, and he and his companion recorded it. I have a German version of it. One of my other friends was in France and they gave me a recording of it. So I have it in multiple languages. It is amazing, isn't it? And, you know, the way it has been embraced worldwide certainly illustrates the global nature of our church. Let's switch gears a little bit. When I listen to this song, I can't help but think of cowboys. It certainly has the cadence and the um, quality of cowboys songs of the 1940s and 50s, don't you think? I mean, in my imagination, (laughs) John Wayne steps forward and... It just seems to celebrate the culture of the American West in the 20th century. Was this um, a purposeful uh, thing or was it um, a natural outgrowth of the era in which you were living? They think of uh, that rhythm and uh, a Western beat. Um, I had no intention at the time I composed it for that. But that was just a jaunting sort of loping sort of melody or accompaniment. In your um, collection of different versions of your song, do you have one that exemplifies um, this cowboy quality that you could uh, share with us? Well, this one? This one. What, whichever one you want. Um, maybe you could play both of them for us. This is a more conventional, yet, yet they have their own. This is from, from the movie The Return Missionary. this one for you. different interpretations of this song is nothing short of phenomenal. 
That was Missionary Reveille by Enoch Train. Now, did you come from a musical family? Well, yes, I guess I should say yes. My mother could have been quite a quite a musician herself, except that her father hated the sound of the music practicing, the piano practicing. And so she would, um, before leaving her lesson, uh, she would ask her teacher to play the, the new piece again. And um, the teacher didn't know it, but she was memorizing it. And she would go home and practice on the windowsill. So I believe that my mother could have been quite a musician had, had the uh, idea of music not been squashed by her father, who couldn't stand the sound of the piano. Uh, my father played uh, the, the tuba. He played the piano when he was on his mission in New Zealand. Uh, from that, I think I got my musical <laughs> genes. And so I encouraged, or my mother encouraged me to play. And uh, we learned, uh, if you remember the old song, on the lost chord. And so she taught me that and I could play that by rote. And uh, when we finally got a, a, a piano teacher, she said, can you play me something? So I sat down and played that lost chord or the beginning of it anyway. And she said, well, okay. She said, you have a nice roof on your house. Now we've, all we've got to do is build a foundation. <laughs> so that's what we did. Tell me, when did you know music was going to be the focus of your life? I, I suppose I always considered it. <laughs> I never thought about it too much. I remember a young man in, in, the, um, in high school. Uh, we were talking in, in, uh, in the cafeteria one day. And he said he was going to be a, a pharmacist. I thought, wow, how does he know that already? Well, his father was in the pharmacy business and, uh, and that, was, that was his choice. And he was working towards that. And even, even at that point, I didn't really wonder what I was going to be. I mean, music was just my life. And so that's the way it was all the way through high school and into college. Uh, I just assumed that would be my major. And that's the way it turned out. When did comp composition come to the forefront, though? <clears throat> well, um, that just sort of grew with it. Um, my my uh, major professor was Leroy Robertson, and um, he and Lowell Durham. Lowell Durham was my uh, advisor at that time. Uh, and, and and directing the the ward choir and so on. I guess I just fell into place. Well, why can't I write something? So that's what I did. I, and uh, I think I stayed pretty well romantic uh, in line. Rachmaninoff was uh, was a favorite composer. When I got to North Texas, that was in the seventies, and. Um, um, the way the music was going at that time, it was it was more of a happening, and uh, and so my tastes were. Uh, I was listening to some of my music written at that time, and I thought, "Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't write that way now." <laughs> and so, you you go with the times. Um, the music was kind of wild at that time, and. Uh, uh, 
so is my music. Okay, let me ask you about um, today, <clears throat> your thoughts on modern day composition. Um, today's composers appear to have a powerful platform for getting their music out in front of a wide audience that, that you know, maybe you didn't have in your younger days through the internet. And I'm curious what you think about the modern trends in composition, more specifically, the research into using computers and artificial intelligence to compose music without um, the human artist being involved. Um, I like the, the personal touch of the composer who um, still writes his music down on um, be it the, comp the computer or, or the music on, on the staff, a manuscript paper. Although I, th I, I have enjoyed the fact that, that uh, you can put music on the, on the computer and I have, uh, I have enjoyed that. I remember as a teacher, when one of my students brought, brought music and put it up on the, on the piano for me to look at, it looked like he just purchased it. It was, it was so perfect looking. I, I uh, hesitated to mark it up with a pencil. <laughs> and uh, that was the beginning uh, uh, that time, the late, late 70s and uh, the 80s, when that uh, took place. <clears throat> and I've taken advantage of that. I have a, a music program on the computer uh, that I use all the time. Are you still composing now? I keep my foot in it, yes. <laughs> the last thing I did was an arrangement for for my son in Provo for his choir. And uh, I just just did a, an arrangement of a carol for, uh, this is back in the, just before Christmas, for uh, an orchestra and um, chorus. Most of your music does seem to have a foundation in religion. I especially love with Songs of Praise, number 71 in the current hymnal. Let's take a listen. beautiful hymn. So, Kate, how much do you feel religion has influenced your creative process? All I can say is that I, uh, I prayed every night and morning that I could, that I could uh, be inspired with a, 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 a good melody or a good harmonization or a good uh, orchestration of such. Um, and I I believe I do believe the Lord 
has a hand in, in helping you that way. I learned early on that a real hymn, by definition, was a praise to God. I love that. Speaking of the intersection of music and religion, I understand that your mission to Germany after World War II had quite a musical component. Tell us a little bit about that and what it was like to serve in Germany so soon after World War II. They were quick. The Germans were quick in, uh, or quicker than they were in England or France, especially in rebuilding. But there was still a lot of rubble around. But uh, we were interested because um, one of the first places, of course, that they rebuilt were the, uh, the uh, train stations because that was their main mode of transportation. And then, of all things, <laughs> the next thing on their list of priorities were the concert halls. Hmm. And so uh, at one time, uh, about halfway through my mission, uh, my mission president realized that uh, he was getting a lot, of, a lot of newcomers in that could sing. And so I was... Uh, kind of designated as a as a leader, and he would send. This was in Stuttgart, and he would send the the missionaries down uh, into our district. I was district president at the time, and so we would hold treat meetings there in this beautiful park in uh, uh, in Stuttgart. And from that, um, I have posters and whatnot of the of the. Um, a group that we called the Mormoneers. And we had our own, with the help of the, the, uh, the mission president, we had our own bus and German driver. And we toured actually in Western Germany there for about six months. Uh, it wasn't all singing. We would help the, the missionaries in a particular area with their tracting. And when, when that wasn't uh, available, we would visit hospitals or jails or, or whatnot. We got around a lot. And then we would take these wonderfully newly built concert halls and, uh, and there we would sing. <laughs> and of course, the people would come because it was a free, uh, free admission. And they would come, I'm sure, just to see the hall. But they were uh, very... Um, very applaudful when they came. It sounds like you had a very unique and fun mission, Kay. It's been interesting talking to you and getting to know the man behind the legend that is, I hope they call me on a mission. Um, before you go, let's talk a little bit about the church's current musical project. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has announced an overhaul of its hymn book and the children's song book. Hopeful composers should submit their work to the church by July 1st, 2019 for inclusion in the new hymn book and the children's songbook, which are to be a reflection of the global nature of the church. So what advice would you give to budding and hopeful composers? Uh, my advice would be to, <clears throat> to keep it simple and, uh, and send it in. Uh, it, it doesn't always take a, a music major uh, to, to write a hymn or to write a song for the primary. Um, I would just encourage somebody to do it, just whatever it takes. 
Well, thank you so much for mm -hmm. letting us come and talk to you tonight, Kay. Yes, you're welcome. I uh, really appreciate meeting you in person. I think I've never done that before, and it's <laughs> wonderful to put a face to such a beautiful song. Well, thank you, and I hope I hope that uh, something comes out that won't embarrass me too much. Promise, <laughs> okay. promise, you won't be embarrassed. So right. Thank you so much. All right. To close us out, I have a real treat for you a spontaneous concert by the great composer himself, Newell K. Brown. Good night, everybody.